tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's August 25th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, middle-class Americans are worse off today than 20 years ago. That is the finding of a shocking new study with profound implications for the future of this country. We'll talk about that coming up. Second, the Japanese government is releasing some water from that damaged Fukushima nuclear power plant. I'll talk about how that impacts our battle for the Pacific. Third, if you've got solar panels or an electric vehicle, folks, I've got a warning for you. China might be able to turn those things on or off. Details coming up. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question. Today's listener wonders if I'm actually still an active CIA officer lying to you all about who I really am. And he wants proof that I'm not lying. All right, well, I've got a response. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Folks, before we begin, some breaking news from last night. Donald Trump turned himself in to officials in Georgia related to charges of election interference. They took a mugshot, which will live in infamy, and to which Trump said, quote, it was not a comfortable feeling, especially when you've done nothing wrong, end quote. So I'll be watching this uh, today over the weekend, and we will discuss it next week. But for now, here is what seems very clear to me. We are entering a very dangerous period in American history. And that is because I share the view of what most polling says that you all think that these collection of charges are not about a collection of crimes. Rather, it is evidence of partisan actors from the Biden Department of Justice to Democrat prosecutors in New York, D.C. and Georgia who don't want you to decide the nation's political winners and losers. They want to make that decision for you. And that is very dangerous indeed. More to come, folks. Meanwhile, let's get back to our planned briefs. If you are a middle-class American who feels like life is getting harder, well, you're right. Researchers from the University of Southern California and Columbia University released a study on Wednesday proving that, yes, middle-class Americans near retirement age are worse off today than 20 years ago. So researchers started with this question. How are people doing in this country in terms of their economic and physical well-being? So researchers were especially interested in folks who were middle class and getting close to retirement. So to answer this question, what they did was look at two different data sets. First, they used a data set from the University of Michigan's Health and Retirement Survey, and it's a pretty big one, has over 20,000 Americans who are over the age of 50. They also used something called a micro simulation, that is from the future elderly model, for paid subscribers, I have included links and in the transcript to those data and that model if you want to explore them. But regardless, these researchers looked at the physical health of these folks, plus private income, housing, disability, 
And with that model, they look at it, they looked at rather an estimated future life expectancy. So they took all that then and compared that to these same kinds of Americans from 20 years ago. And what they found is pretty shocking, although maybe not to you all who are living this. Lower class and lower middle class Americans are largely worse off today than 20 years ago. Right. These folks are living shorter lives and the lives that they are living are more sickly and more filled with disability, with ailments ranging from hypertension, diabetes and heart disease. So let me give you an example of this. If you are an average 60 year old woman right now in America, in that lower middle class of this country, well, you will likely live until the age of 84. It's true. But 40 percent of your remaining years will be lived with a disability. And that percentage of a disabled life, that is an increase since 1994. Researchers also found that lower middle class Americans have largely flatlined in terms of financial health, too, both in terms of income and housing. Plus, the gap between the wealthy and working class is getting wider when it comes to home ownership. That gap is now triple in size as compared to 1994. Well, as for possible solutions, these researchers suggested that we ought to increase the social safety net for these Americans from Medicaid to housing vouchers and food stamps. So those are the facts and data coming to us from the USC and Columbia universities this morning with the key takeaway that for working class Americans, things are not good. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. About two weeks ago, there was a, a young man named Oliver Anthony from Farmville, Virginia, and he had a song that went viral. It's called Rich Men North of Richmond. It's a song about the rich men and politicians in Washington, D.C. And if you haven't listened to it, you should. It's on YouTube. You can download it on iTunes or any other streaming service. And I have all those links in the transcript of him and his work. Well, as of this morning, Richmond, North of Richmond, that is the most played song in all of America. And for very, very good reason. If you listen to it, Oliver gives life to the pain and the struggles of the working class in this country to both his generation and those of his parents and grandparents, who, of course, are the, the people included in this study out of USC and Columbia University. And I'll tell you, if you go further into his catalog of songs, you will find that he has sung about being a factory worker, his struggle with addiction, uh, obesity. He is ultimately giving Americans just this primal scream that things are not good, that things are not right. In other words, he makes you feel what this university data can only say. Well, predictably, the U.S. media has turned this into a fight about uh, left versus right, conservative versus liberal. And they are saying that this young man is a racist and bigoted, which is just a pile of baloney. Right? Listen to the song and his catalog of songs for yourself, and you will understand that that is true. Although I will also tell you, he also said this uh, in response to his sudden fame, quote, I appreciate the compliments, but I'm not a good musician. I hardly know my way around the guitar and my singing's just okay. That is not what made this song a success. It's about you, the struggles in your life. That is what made this what it is, end quote. So I highlight this song and this young man because of this. I can tell you all day long about facts and data of America's struggling middle and working class, and I have. For instance, 
Listeners might recall my briefs from my last podcast about how Bill Clinton and Republicans in Congress absolutely gutted factory towns all around this country when they allowed China into the World Trade Organization about 20 years ago. For what it's worth, researchers at MIT and others have proven this link. In fact, I had the link to their original survey in a transcript. I've also shared with you how the trade deal NAFTA, which is now called USMCA, it's doing pretty much the same thing. In fact, Chinese companies are now planting themselves in Mexico to skirt tariffs and ultimately take advantage of us and our workers. I shared that with you back on July 25th. I've also shared with you over the past year or so about how America's social fabric, it's fraying. For instance, data show that we are less connected to each other now than we were 20 or 50 years ago. And there's some great research on that stemming from a book that is called Bowling Alone. Listeners also might recall from the brief that I gave you back on May 26th about how our children in this country are being increasingly raised in single families, including 49% of black kids, 28% of Hispanic kids, and 21% of white kids. Now, you compare that to data from 1960 when only 7% of kids lived with just one parent. So yes, I'm going to continue to make the case with these facts and data that things are not okay in this country because I think that we need to center our conversation about this topic on what is true, not just what we feel. But I'll tell you, this song from Oliver, it captures this moment of struggle in a way that my data and facts just never can. And a result lesson of that for me is that Maybe feelings have a place in this conversation, too. Maybe we need to scream through our music, through our tears at our politicians that things are not okay. So the question then is this. If things aren't okay, what do we do about it? What do we do with a country that is not well, especially the working class and small and big towns alike? Well, there is a lot more on that to come on this podcast, but tomorrow I'm actually going to do a little bit of a special on this topic, or at least it's connected to it. I'll share with you how I want to use this podcast to do my part. So more to come, but for now, I hope that my facts and data from this latest uh, study and research, plus this very powerful song about rich men north of Richmond, puts this issue front and center right where it belongs. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers who are listening at rightreport.substack.com, no ads for you. The podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email, along with the transcripts of the morning's report with hyperlinks to all the facts and data that I have presented today. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, thank you and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I don't endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at j a 
semedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at jasemedical.com. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. Yesterday, the Japanese government began to release some radioactive water from the damaged Fukushima nuclear power plant. That's just over 10 years after it was damaged by a tsunami following a 9.0 earthquake somewhere on the Pacific Ocean floor. Now, as listeners might recall, three of the six reactors at Fukushima melted down. People were evacuated and it caused a global outcry against nuclear energy. Well, over the past 10 years, Japan has moved to clean up that site, and by all estimates, they have done so. But one challenge is what to do with the millions of gallons of water that the Japanese have pumped into and onto the damaged uh, reactor cores. In other words, they had to keep these things cool. Well, for years, this water, which was contaminated with about 62 radioactive elements, was all pumped into nearby tanks. And that water was then further cleaned and stored. The tanks now actually sit at about 96% full. So the good news is that the Japanese were able to treat this water and remove virtually all of the toxic elements, except for trace amounts of something called tritium. Although I should note this, at trace levels, tritium is considered harmless because it can't penetrate the skin. Now, if it's consumed by, say, first a fish and then by humans... Well, it's still deemed safe because you have to consume a massive amount of tritium before it can raise cancer levels. And that is, in fact, why nuclear plants all around the world release trace amounts of tritium in local waterways all the time without result. The point, then, is that the general consensus by the scientific community, as at least reported by Reuters News Service, amongst others, is that this water is safe. And that is why, starting yesterday, the Japanese government began releasing it from those otherwise very full tanks out into the Pacific Ocean, where over the next number of decades, it will slowly trickle into the ocean to dilute it. Well, critics are saying, my goodness, this is terrible news. Groups like Greenpeace are outraged. Local fishermen are very anxious that consumers will stop eating their catches. Meanwhile, neighboring countries or governments in the area, they're weighing in on this debate. Those include Taiwan, the Philippines, and South Korea. All of their governments are largely in support of Japan releasing this stuff, satisfied with the underlying science. That said, there is one country that is a holdout, and that is China. So over the past six months, and again yesterday, Beijing blasted Tokyo and their plan as dangerous. They also banned all Japanese seafood, which is quite important for us, actually, and it's why I'm bringing you this news. And here's why. Chinese fishmongers have long sold Japanese seafood as the best, most choice seafood, but no longer. They are now going to have to go further abroad to satisfy their country's insatiable demand for fish. And to be clear, it is insatiable. China's 1.4 billion people consume more fish than any other country in the world, more than the entirety of Europe, in fact, combined. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, that insatiable demand will be a disaster for nations all around the world because, as I briefed you back on May 23rd and again on July 25th, that Chinese demand for seafood has already put profound pressure on fish stocks all over the place in Africa, Latin America, South Pacific, and the Indian Ocean. And just to underline this point, folks, China has 17,000 fishing ships globally. Their closest competitors have maybe one to 2,000. And that means they become sort of a, a fleet of locusts devouring everything in their wake. As but one example, I briefed you about how in the Ivory Coast in Africa, that government had to shut down its local fishermen because there were so few fish after China raided their waters. So, folks, those are the global implications for this Japanese release of water and how China's ban of Japanese fish, that is going to push their fleet to all kinds of places all around the world, which will in turn deplete fish stocks there. And that is going to create not only ecological damage, but political damage too. So those are the facts and data this morning on this release of water from Japan. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion with a focus on why we should care and how we can leverage this moment. So first, let's start with the obvious. What China is doing here is they are banning these Japanese fish, not out of safety concerns, but because Tokyo is growing closer to the United States, all in our battle for the Pacific, especially over Taiwan, right? So fish are just the pretext. And to be clear, what Beijing is doing is paying activists right now and front organizations to, to protest, to create videos, podcasts, angry social media posts, all to denigrate Japan and this release of their water. In other words, propaganda. And it is all designed to make this water release as awful, painful, and damaging as possible for Tokyo. So I would encourage you to keep that in mind as you listen and watch this debate. Second, I previously briefed you all about this fishing issue and how it is so important for both our allies and enemies abroad. In other words, even if a country doesn't like us, whew, they really don't like Chinese fishermen, especially the locals in places like Ivory Coast. So if you were in the White House this morning, serving as president and thinking about how to use this moment as leverage, well, here's what I would encourage. Have your teams at the State Department and the CIA work with governments around the world to squeeze off China's supply of fish. First, tell the government of what is likely to come. Second, use social media and local media to show the devastating effects of Chinese fishing in their countries and in their regions. Next, organize local protests against these Chinese fishermen. Because remember, You've got a bunch of angry locals whose livelihoods have been stolen by these foreign Chinese fishermen. So let's use or direct that anger to push China out. And I tell you, if you do this right, you are going to do more than just get people around the world angry about fish. You will create a broader recognition that China is destructive in a whole bunch of other ways too. From how they mine, you know, things like cobalt, to how they treat their own people, like the Uyghurs. In other words, folks, fight fire with fire. Use this moment to just punch China right in the face. Trust me, they deserve it. With that, we turn to our final report of the morning. And for this news, we stick with the ongoing theme this morning that China is just awful, with news from Australia and the United Kingdom that Beijing spies have the power to turn your power off. 
First, we have news from Australia. Shadow Home Affairs and Cybersecurity Minister James Patterson, he is warning this morning that Australians should take care with electric vehicles because Beijing has the ability to hack and control them. Quote, these are basically computers on wheels. They are Internet-connected devices, and any Internet-connected device made by a Chinese company can be ultimately controlled or is at risk of being controlled by Beijing. End quote. And that is certainly true not only of EVs, though, folks. It is also true of those EV charging stations. A report from the United Kingdom not too long ago found major vulnerabilities in how those things can be hacked, and not just by the Chinese, but by any hacking group. And speaking of the UK, our friends in the United Kingdom, the UK Telegraph reported a couple of weeks ago that politicians there across the political spectrum are warning that EVs made in China or a national security risk because they could be both controlled by Beijing or used as surveillance devices to spy on the British people. One senior government official said, quote, EVs are high risk products. They will be used by China with all the data that they collect. And that is how they become incredibly valuable to China and quite dangerous, end quote. Well, if that weren't enough, Sky News in Australia is also reporting that, well, a bit of a Chinese spy problem with Chinese solar panels. As listeners know from last week's series on dirty green energy, most of the world's solar panels come from China. But one thing that we actually didn't talk about is something called an inverter, right? That is the device that is connected to a panel that converts that sunshine into electricity. Well, many of these panels come with smart inverters, right? Ones that are connected to the internet. And that is bad for two reasons. First, these inverters have two-way communication systems with the grid, meaning that China could hack or install malicious software to bring down a grid. In fact, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has already issued warnings about this in the past. And for good measure, we've already seen these kinds of hacks and attacks on inverters in places like the Netherlands. Now, the second reason that this is bad is that, well, China controls 58% of the inverter market, upwards of 63% in Europe. So as ever, ladies and gentlemen, we do have more dirty green problems to wrestle with. Ah, one last thing on a parting note. Thank you to everybody who has written in over the past week or so on how great you all thought the new Dirty Green series was. Surprisingly and wonderfully new is what you said to me. New research, new findings, new conclusions. And that is because, yes, it was completely new certainly as compared to what I provided folks last December during my old podcast. So this update and this complete refresh and rewrite took a ton of work, but I am so proud of it. And I am so thrilled that you enjoyed it too. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we concluded this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I have something good to tell you about. It's called Wacker Coffee Company. Yeah, funny name, great coffee. Although I should not say funny name. Tim Wacker is the guy who owns this incredible coffee company, and he is as great as his coffee. He is a former United States Marine, although never really a former, always United States Marine. Wonderful family man, and let me tell you, he's a guy with a passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is this, we empower coffee beans to be the best version of themselves. 
Yeah, now that is a guy and a Marine who is serious about his coffee. And it is seriously good. Wacker Coffee Company has six different roasts to include a decaf option for all of you crazy people, which I got to tell you, all of these roasts are worth every penny. So go to wackercoffeeco.com. That is wackercoffeeco.com and enter promo code right report and you are going to get 10% off. Ladies and gentlemen, go to Wacker, that is W-A-C-K-E-R, coffeeco.com. Buy this stuff. It is so good. And buy it today. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Today, it is Mr. R. Webb from somewhere in America. He wrote in asking, Brian, I'm just wondering, what is your proof that you are a former CIA officer, not just lying that you're no longer involved with the CIA? Well, good question. And totally fair, by the way. The CIA does engage in propaganda operations, supposedly for only audiences abroad. So it's fair to ask this question. Also, it's fair because we have seen some pretty awful CIA officers who were involved in America's media over the past 10 years or so, and they attacked our republic. As an example, former CIA director John Brennan, he spread the Trump-Russia lie, even when he knew it was absolutely false, which, by the way, and for the record, he should be rotting in prison. Then there is former NSA director James Clapper, who spread the same Trump-Russia lie, to be clear, by doing so, he attacked America, and he spread a lot of panic doing so. And if it were up to me, he would be in prison or hooked up to an electric chair, but that's just me. So all in all, Mr. Webb, it's an absolutely fair question. First, to answer you, let me state emphatically, I am no longer with the CIA, and I only wish that I could show you my last evaluation before I left the agency to prove it. And if I could paraphrase what's in this thing, it said... <clears throat> that I did not listen to my superiors sometimes, that I needed to learn to be more corporate. Yeah. Well, what they didn't realize is that what they saw as bad or a possible critique, I was absolutely proud of. I was hired to, to speak truth to power and serve the American people. I was not hired to suck up so I could move up in the ranks. So there's that. Second, Ultimately, Mr. Webb, listeners are going to have to discern whether I am consistent in what I say and whether this podcast is willing to take on the CIA to both applaud it and criticize it. Now, I think that I have done that, but I'm going to have to let you all make that call. Finally, and related to this issue of consistency, I want to offer you something. Lying is hard and lying for years. That is really hard. Because you have to remember when, where, how, and to whom you've lied. And I'll tell you, having done alias work, it's exhausting. And I have a great story to tell you about that, although it's not related to espionage, it's related to media. So right now, there is a very famous woman in American media. I can't tell you her name, but you would absolutely recognize it. And she has this battle axe of a reputation, you know, tough no nonsense, unafraid to take on people, get angry. And she's got this awesome scowl whenever she wants to deploy it. But here's the secret. It's not real. What you see is an act. So this woman relayed to me that when she first got into TV, she thought that the network she was connected to wanted her to be this persona. You know, tough, no nonsense. 
but that wasn't her. She's actually this very sweet motherly type who prefers to avoid confrontation, but she wanted to be on TV and be famous. So she created this character, right? In other words, to give the network and the people what they want. But that created a problem. She hated this character, absolutely hated it because it wasn't her, it was a lie. And she told me that that was her greatest regret, that she should have just been herself from day one. And if people or the network didn't like it, well then tough, she would go do something different. So I share that with you, Mr. Webb, because I took a very valuable lesson from her when I started doing this media stuff. I'm just gonna be me, a former CIA officer who brings his talents and time to you all and hopes that you like it. But I can't and I won't be an actor or a circus monkey, as I shared with you all last Saturday in that special report. And so I I sure hope that over time, you will find that neither I nor this podcast are some sort of secret operation to influence America. Although, tomorrow, I'm going to give you another weekend report. And I'm going to let you uh, learn about a, a plan of mine, shall we say, that I haven't shared up until now. And to give you a hint, I want to do something special with this podcast, but not for the CIA, it's for all of us, for the country. More details tomorrow. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is super easy to do. Just go to writereport.substack.com. Sign up, choose the option that is best for your budget, and then just open the email that you get each morning from Substack. That will take you directly to the ad-free podcast and transcript. And at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave a comment or ask me a question. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.